and aloha and welcome to Mission Church today. I'm excited to uh, be here and and I, I hope you're excited today too. And um, I cannot forget, children, you are dismissed to go to Sunday school. And Miss Becca is over there with the hat. Everybody, see Miss Becca waving. You want to join Miss Becca for our children's church time? We're so grateful for that. And um, and I'm going to just take one more moment to uh, give you an opportunity to greet the people around you. So. The people beside you, the people behind you, take a moment, and and if you haven't said so yet, greet the people around you with a happy new year, okay? I'll give you just a few moments to do that. And you online, you can do the same thing if you have people standing beside you. Opportunity to uh, to greet people and um, it makes such a, a wonderful thing uh, to to make this church feel warmer because it is kind of warm outside today. <laughs> but um, I love the new year because in the new year we start new things, new things are happening, and in our church um, we had a, we began with a fast to begin the year. And um, I tell you, that's taking shape and hold in my life. And I've heard several different people tell me, Pastor Gordon, the fast has really made an impact on me. And, um, and I'm hearing God speak. And that's exciting to hear. In this, in this new year as well, too, uh, Chuck said in February we're going to restart the, the Wednesday evening dinners. We have a great menu planned. It's inside of the bulletin that you see. So it's going to be a lot of fun to be together. And in the new year, we're also starting this brand new sermon series in Philippians. It's a message that I pray continues to point us back and focus in on joy. Because the epistle of joy is Philippians. And, and if we ever needed to hear messages of joy, it's, it's, it now is a good time. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. sure is. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Philippians. And we're going to just begin today with the very short introduction there in Philippians. Right? Just two verses today. It's not a shorter sermon, sorry. <laughs> it's just two verses. And, uh, and there's so much here in just these two short verses. And so we're going to jump in, hear the word of the Lord today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The reading of God's Word. And so here in this short and yet beautiful introduction, the Apostle Paul shares 
with the church there in Philippi. He introduces two people at the very beginning. He starts off with Paul and Timothy. And so, we want you to know that, um, that this letter that Paul writes, he's writing alongside Timothy to the church. And I think this is so important because knowing the author, knowing who's writing it, and knowing who's receiving it, who are the recipients, puts so much in context. And it gives the things that we read, it makes the, the message so much clearer. It helps us to understand the purpose for the letter. Now, last week I began an introduction of who the Apostle Paul is. And I talked a little bit about uh, the Philippian church. And this week we're going to go a, li- a little bit deeper. And it's going to be like peeling the, the, un- the, the, the layers of the onion off. The more we get into this book, the more you'll get to know who this Apostle Paul really is and his dynamic and beautiful relationship with this church in Philippi. And the Apostle Paul um, introduces this letter with both he and Timothy, but most all scholars believe that Paul is the author of this letter. Right? He's the one that's, that's writing this letter to the church in Philippi. So here's a couple of things we know about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is from Tarsus. Paul from Tarsus. And um, Tarsus is a Roman province in Turkey. Now, if you know your geography well, where Rome is and where Turkey is, it's a long, long way. Which kind of gives you an idea of the influence and the power of Rome in those times that their influence was so far-reaching that all the way in Turkey, there was a Roman province. And that is where the Apostle Paul was born. And so when you read uh, Paul's uh, uh, his, his journeys, uh, his missionary journeys, and the challenges that he faced in Philippi, he tells them, I'm a Roman citizen, because he was born in Tarsus, which was a province of Rome. However, despite the fact that he was born in that Roman province, his family remained very committed to Judaism, so much so that when Paul was brought up, he held on to his Jewish roots, right, and became a Pharisee himself. And the Pharisee was the person who administrated the the religious laws for the people of of Israel. And... um, and, and so he remained faithful to his Judaism, which makes the Apostle Paul really this unique person. And, and here's why that is so unique. Through God's wisdom and his divine appointment, he, 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 he strategically finds this one gentleman, Paul, who was born a Roman citizen, but lived out his Jewish life to the fullest, became a Pharisee, and and through that was transformed when Jesus came into his life. Who better than the Apostle Paul to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to the Gentiles in that area, to to, to other people who were were affiliated with Rome, who understood Greek culture. And and so here's a guy that, that is unique in, in his heritage, he can go into places and understand Roman culture, understand the Roman laws, 
and speak to Jews because he was a Pharisee, right? And when he speaks to the Jewish people in the synagogues, he speaks as someone with authority, as, as a Pharisee, and understands their culture, but yet was so transformed by Jesus that he brings the gospel to this, these people in this area. Amazing how God uses unique people that way. And the first lesson of this message today that I want you to kind of hold tight is this, that God never wastes anything from our lives to be used for the building of His kingdom. Where have you come from? What's your background? The successes and the failures, God uses them all for His glory. And I'm excited to share that. And so, the, the first lesson is God wastes no one. If you're willing to be used by God, God can use you. And so, we know that Paul started this ministry with Timothy by his side. Timothy is his disciple. He's much younger than Paul. But he holds a very vital role in the ministry there in Philippi. Not just in Philippi. Paul uses Timothy in many other places. And this is the, one of the first signs we see of an intergenerational ministry going on. And one that we desire to have here at Mission Church. And another thing we see is that Paul never strays far from the example that Jesus left him. And he takes on a, a disciple for himself. And, and he trains that disciple. And he, he, he allows the disciple to serve then he sends that disciple off. The very same thing that Jesus did, Paul does as well too. And I love seeing this model here in Philippi, here in this letter here. Which is a model that we should be adapting and using here at Mission Church as well too. And so, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul refers to he and Timothy as servants of Christ Jesus. Oh, I love this. They are servants of Christ Jesus. The reference here as a servant is super unique in this letter. And the reason why that is unique is because most of all of other Paul's writings to the churches, the letters that he sends to Corinth, the letter that he sends to Philippi, the letter that he sends to Thessalonica, all there in the Bible, he doesn't use the word servant. He uses the word apostle to, to introduce himself. Paul, the Apostle of Christ Jesus. But here in Philippians, he does not use the word Apostle. He uses the word Servant. And that difference is huge. It's significant. And you know what the significant aspect of that is? You all understand the word Servant, right? It's different from Apostle. Servant comes from a humble stance. A Servant is, is somebody that, um, that, that the word servant here in Greek is doulos. And, and doulos can mean servant or slave. It's interchangeable that way. Apostle is one that speaks with authority and is different. And so here, the Apostle Paul comes to the church and he, he identifies himself as a servant. And this this humble message here at the very beginning of the, of the letter shows 
what Paul was trying to do from the very start, and that is to bring this message of humility to this church in such a beautiful way. Because, church, this word doulos, this word, this word for servant, Paul identifies himself as that. And as we read further down in verse 2, he references our Lord Christ Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord curios, right? If you're going to be a doulos, you have to have a curios. If I'm going to be a servant, then, then I'm going to need a master. Because why would I identify that? And whenever we talk about servants and masters, there is a thought in everybody's mind about how that relationship looks. But the beauty, the beauty of the way of the Apostle Paul brings this message of doulos and curios is, is different from anything you can imagine. Because in Christ Jesus, we have a curios, we have a Lord that doesn't rule over us, but came to serve us. Who ever heard of anything like that? A Lord that serves? A Lord not only that would serve, but would be willing to die for my duties. <laughs> that is unconventional. That is, that is never heard of before. And that is why the Apostle Paul has this authentic love for God. Because he understands his place. And he knows God's place. And it's not the kind of relationship that most people have. Why would you, why would you serve? Most people serve their curios because of fear. Fear of punishment. Paul serves because he loves. And he loves deeply. Oh, so good. We're going to get more into that as we unfold this letter in such a beautiful way. But embedded in this letter is this message of humility. And it fits the message of humility for Mission Church as well, too. Church, one day I'm going to stand here and I'm going to ask you to recite the mission of our church. And my expectation is that every single person here will know the mission of our church. Why we exist to authentically love God. And as we're talking about humility, the second part of our mission statement is to humbly serve one another. You guys have a bulletin? It's right here on the cover. <laughs> and then to intentionally share Christ. That's why, that's why we do all that we do. Because we want to authentically love God, which is what Paul is doing here. We want to humbly serve one another and intentionally share Christ. And this message of humility fits our mission so beautifully. And so the Apostle Paul now turns his attention to the recipients of this letter, the church there in Philippi. And he writes this in verse 2, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons. These are the recipients of the letter. So it's good to know who the author is, and it's important to know who the receivers are. 
who was receiving this, this letter. It is all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And the, the, the word here, again, a lot of word study here, that Paul uses to identify the church is a unique word that he doesn't use when he writes to other churches. That word, all. He says, to all God's holy people. That word, all, when he writes to other churches, he doesn't call them, all of you there in Corinth, all of you there in Ephesus. He uses that word, all, here in Philippi. And the commentators, they speculate why Paul uses this word, all. One of the reasons why is because of Paul's really, really close relationship. This personal relationship he has with the church there in Philippi. They're unique in Paul's heart. Paul loves this church. And the church loves Paul as well too. And it, and it, it might be that when Paul writes this letter and uses the word all, that he knows all of them. You know, which is going to kind of unique. Paul writes this beautiful letter and he's, it, it, he says, to all of God's people. And, and, and that, that word all there is because of Paul's unique and dynamic relationship with the church there. Second reason why Paul uses the word all is because this word all is a, a unifying word. Right? It, it, it brings everybody into the fold. All of you. It's a message of unity and Paul's call to unify the church around Jesus. This message of unity is so important. Again, Paul addresses this message of unity in his greeting, right there at the beginning. And this greeting is a, is, is, and this call for unity is not just for the church in Philippi. It's a message for us here at Mission Church as well. We are called to be a church that is set apart and unique and dynamic because we are unified. And we are unified by one thing. And the call that he has for the church in Philippi was to unify around Christ Jesus. And with all that is happening in our world, this is a call for us as well. It's clear, church, you know this and I know this, that the world continues to try and divide people. In every way, if you're different, whatever, the world is trying to drive wedges between people and, and, and divide people. But Jesus has a message of unity for us all. Jesus' message of unity calls us to gather around the cross of Jesus Christ. And what, what the Apostle Paul is trying to do is bring the church in Philippi to unite around Jesus. And that message of unity is really clear as he addresses them. He calls them God's holy people in Christ Jesus. Again, holy God's holy people. God's holy... God is, is, is the, the curios. And these people are the doulos. And there's this understanding of, of this relationship that we should have. But they're holy now. They're set apart. They're sacred people. 
and they are called by by the Apostle Paul and, and, and uniquely identified that way. How do you identify yourself? That's, that's, that's a message that's been swirling around our country and, and it is, again, very divisive. And yet, if we begin to understand who we are, that we are God's holy people, we, right here at Mission Church, set apart for God's use, we're holy, and we identify that way, wouldn't that unite us all? That's a uniting message, and I pray that we see ourselves that way. That the people of God here, we are set apart for God's purpose in Christ Jesus. We're saved and set apart by Jesus, and that is how we should identify ourselves, because that is what ought to hold us together. So we move to verse 2 now, okay? That's just verse 1. Holy cow. Verse 2, the Apostle Paul introduces the second part of what he is offering and bringing to the church. So if, if you thought all that was, was just okay at the beginning of the service, this is where the message gets great. Not because of what I have to say, but because of what the Word of God says. Are you guys ready for good, great news? Thank you, Michelle. I can count on my wife to respond. Uh, verse 2. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you. The Apostle Paul extends God's grace to the church there in Philippine. And this word grace... If you have read the letters of Paul, you understand one thing. This is one of Paul's favorite words as he shares to all the different churches. He uses this word grace over and over and over again. And I think I understand why Paul uses this word grace over and over and over again. And it is because of this. Because Paul knows grace Paul has experienced what the grace of God does in his life. And because he knows it, he's experienced it, he has it, now he can share it. I, I, I can tell you something, and this is 100% true. You can never give away, normally, you can never give away what you don't have. Some people try. <laughs> but it's not until you have something like I, that I can share it with you. Do you understand? Right? I, I brought some water up here to, to sip. I can share it with John, Corey. Because I have it. Right? If I didn't have a glass of water, I mean, this is a silly example, but I couldn't share what I don't have. Paul has received grace. His life has been transformed by this grace. That word grace, we all understand it to mean God's unmerited favor for sinners that don't deserve it. If you are in this congregation today and you have prayed, Lord, forgive me. And that's been a prayer from your heart. 
and you know that after you have prayed it, that God has forgiven you, do you know what you received? Grace. Why would God forgive you? Do you deserve it? Are you special? No. None of us are. You know who's special? God. God gives grace to us that don't deserve it. God gives forgiveness. And when we open our heart and we say, Lord, I am a sinner and I need saving. And you pray for salvation and God extends salvation freely to you. Do you know what you have just received? Grace. God's grace. And it is not until you have it that you can extend it and share it with others. And this is what Paul does so beautifully here. He, he has God's grace. He knows the transforming work of it. And because of that, he extends it to the church there in Philippi. Something that is totally unmerited for him. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, you know how Paul describes himself? He says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's what Paul says. He looks at himself in the mirror, and he knows where he's come from. And he said, of all the people in this world that God could have saved, why would he do that for me? I used to persecute Christians. I watched them die stoning. Why would God save me? And yet he did. I've invited a lot of people to church in 20 years of being a pastor. You know what I hear so often? Oh, pastor, if I go to your church, lightning might strike it. <laughs> you ever heard anyone say that? Right? The walls will going to burn down. The church is going to burn down. They see themselves as the worst of sinners. But they don't know how great God is. That's their problem. I thought I would get an amen there. Amen. Thank you again, Rochelle. <laughs> they don't know how great God is. And Paul knows. You know why? He was the worst of sinners. Oh, church. This message of grace, man, it is something that we all should rejoice in. Because we have received it. And because you have received it and you have it, the call for us today is this. Share it. Don't hoard it. Don't keep it in. If someone needs your grace because you have it, share freely. If someone has said or done something wrong to you, Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Don't resent. Don't fight. You know what resentment is, right? I've shared this before. Resentment is the poison you swallow as you wait for the other person to die. That's what resentment is. Uh, I'm going to have some more poison because it's only hurting me. Because I resent them. That doesn't make any sense. We've received grace, church. And as Paul has received it, he shares it with the church in Philippi. Share, share grace with those around you. What, what good news that is for all of us. And so, grace is this work of God. 
And if you've opened your heart and you've accepted His forgiveness and His acceptance, you've experienced grace. You haven't. And grace is so beautifully written about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so no one should boast. Our salvation is the work of God. And it tells of how good and gracious God is. Share grace. But I want you guys to know that grace, grace is more, so much more, than just an unmerited favor that is extended to you. Grace is so much more than the message of salvation that is offered to us as well, too. Grace takes us so much deeper, right into the message of holiness that this church is all about. Grace does more than save sinners. Grace calls people to a deeper walk with Him. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. We all say amen. We just talked about that. Verse 12 says this, And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace leads to holiness. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> Thank you. Grace leads to holiness. And so church, for us, grace is the way forward. For us, God's grace saves us. And for us, God's grace calls us to a holy Church, this is what brings the joy of salvation. The joy of the assurance of salvation. To know that you know that you know that you are saved. And that when our time on earth is done, we will be with God for all eternity. Amen. Hallelujah, church. And this is why the Apostle Paul, as we will see in, in the coming weeks, down in chapter 1, verse 21, he says these words, To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Who says that? To live is Christ, but if I die, that's even better. Who says that? You know who says that? Someone who knows that they know that they know that they know that when they die, they're going to heaven. They're going to be with Jesus for all eternity, and they see that as the joy of their lives. Wow. Thank you so much, Jenny. I heard that. I hear every amen out there, and if you call on out, I'll, I'll, I'll call you out and thank you for it. <laughs> uh, the grace of God leads the Apostle Paul to the assurance that despite the sinful life that he has lived, God grace covers, God's grace covers him and saves him. And it's not about how good the Apostle Paul has been. It's all about how good God continues to be for all of us. And this is why grace leads to peace. Grace and peace to you. From God our Father.
in Christ Jesus. The Greek word for peace here is irene. And having this kind of peace, church, it's not about having peace of mind. It's having a different kind of peace. A peace that goes beyond the peace of mind and finds that peace deep down in the soul of grace-filled people. A grace that is in your heart, not just what you, what you think. It's the same peace that Paul addresses and refers to in chapter 4, when we'll get there in seven more weeks, where he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here we go, in verse 7, The God of peace which transcends all understanding. That's why it's just more than peace of mind. The God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace is found only in Jesus. Only in Jesus. And the Apostle Paul concludes the greeting here by sharing the source of this amazing grace, the source of this life-changing peace, and the source of all joy in this world. He says, all of this comes from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the source of every good and perfect gift that comes from above. And so, in closing today, my prayer, as we looked at just this simple greeting that Paul gives us here in the first two verses of the letter to the church in Philippi, my prayer is that we can apply this message for, for our lives by first knowing this, that your whole life that you have lived to life so far, this life that you have lived so far, every experience that you had, God can redeem and use for good to build the kingdom of God for His glory, if you are willing to be used by God. That's what He did for the Apostle Paul. He can do that for us too. God took Paul's, God took Paul's upbringing and his birthplace in, 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 in this Roman province in Tarsus. He used that. God uses Paul's upbringing in his Jewish faith and He used that. And God uses the transforming work in, our, in Paul's life to tell about Jesus. And, and Paul was unique in this way. You are unique in the places that you go and the people that you know. But God can use you just as he used the Apostle Paul. What is in your background that God can use? What are your passions that God can use? And maybe just as important, do you remember those times that you had doubt? Do you remember those times where you resisted God's calling in your life? Remember those times when you rebelled? But also remember those times, the time when you returned. And how you found that road. And God can use those times where you doubted. And God can use those sins that you've committed. And God can use your shortcomings to be a testimony of what God can do through a life of a person like you and me. And 
redeem all of that for the kingdom of God. Nothing is wasted with God. That is good news. Amen? Oh, man. And then, we're called all. I love that word, all. Called in unity to a life of humility and holiness. Paul begins his letter with that strong message of humility and holiness. And we're all called that way. And we can find that and live that as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and not look at the things of this world and find ways and opportunities to be divisive. Why? No. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. We sang that in closing last Sunday. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. And the things of the world, they'll grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Old song, never been more true. <laughs> I've been asked by people, I, I love the movie Braveheart. And so I always try to find examples of it. And someone said, Pastor Gordon, you still use references from Braveheart? And I haven't yet. But here's my first one. At Mission Church. If you've seen Braveheart, you remember William Wallace. He goes and meets Robert the Bruce. His words are, Unite us. Unite the clans. you remember that? Oh, you like my Scottish accent. Not that. I'm sorry, Chinese guy. <laughs> Unite us. Unite the clans. In Jesus, we can be united in Christ. <laughs> oh, and that will be a good thing when we are. And then finally, our final application is be extenders of grace. As God has graced you, share that grace with those who need it, those who are around you. Never hoard it. Because the more grace that you give away, the more God pours into your life. In fact, you can never give more grace than God can pour into you. And if you feel like you're at the bottom and scraping the bottom of the barrel of grace in your life, all you have to do is ask. All you got to do is ask the Lord, I need your grace. God gives generously. He gives freely. And you know what you will find? He's going to overflow your life with so much grace that you don't even have to dip in your barrel anymore. You can just use what's flowing outside of you to share with those around you. That is the generous grace of God that He gives. Mm. And so today, we want to be open vessels to the grace of God. I told you last Sunday we're going to close our service in a time of prayer today. That is what we're going to do. Because if we ever needed to pray for healing, we need to pray. Yeah. If we ever need to pray for God's forgiveness and grace, we need to pray. Yeah. So today, church, we're going to close our service in, in a time of prayer. And I've called the church to join me in this time of fasting. And I know some of you have. Some of you have not. And that's all right. 
but I, I have engaged in that. And it has drawn me closer to the Lord. And in, in, in continuing with this time of focused prayer in our church, I want to take this opportunity to pray for healing in the church. To pray for healings for, for people's bodies. I, I, I hurt my Achilles tendon a while back, and it's bothering me today. And, uh, and I'm, 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 I need prayer. I'm going to ask someone to lay, you know, anoint me with prayer because I need healing. If, if there's something that, that's happening in you that you would like prayer for physically, please come and join us up here and find yourself here and join us in prayer. But that's not just for physical healing. Today, as we pray, we're going to ask for God's healing of our soul. If you don't know Jesus and you want to experience that grace that I've been talking about, that leads to peace that transcends all understanding, I want to pray for you today to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you need healing in a relationship, then come and be anointed so that you can find that and God can help you through that. This is God at work. Not, and, and I want you to know it's nothing about me or anybody else standing here. And it's not even about the oil that we use. It's about the God that we pray to that will help us in all of this. Today is a sacred day. It's sacred because we've set it apart for God. We're setting this time apart for God. We're calling on God. And I want to invite you who are watching online today. You can take part in this as well too. In spite of the fact that you're not here, there's a link on our webpage that you can go to. And it's a drop-down box with prayer. And it's private. And you don't have to worry about sharing it. And you don't have to post it on, on YouTube in the comment section. Don't do that. Reach, reach out to us on our website and join us in prayer. And what you put down, we will be praying for it with you as well too. So... The people that I've asked to, to join me in prayer, would you, would you come forward? And worship team, would you come as well too? We want to follow what God calls us to do in James chapter 5. The word of the Lord says, If any one of you, anyone, anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. So today, if you'd like to be prayed for, I invite you to come forward. We'll have oil. We'll anoint you and ask God's blessing on you. We'll find out what you want us to pray for. And we'll be happy to pray for that. And allow God to do His work. We're not in any rush today. So you can linger if you want. But if you have to go, please go quietly. And go knowing that God is with you.